Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina Muhammadin ashrafil khalqi wa sayyidil mursalin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alul hazna idha shi'ta sahlan sahla. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani. يفقه قولي اللهم أخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم إلى نور الفهم وأكرمنا بمعرفة العلم وزين أخلاقنا بالحلم يا أرحم الراحمين آمين آمين وآخر دعوان الحمد لله رب العالمين أما بعد uh, Before we start tonight's program Tonight's a special program Especially because of everything that's happening in the world Especially in غزة غزة العزة The غزة of honor And the غزة of dignity um, and the Gaza that uh, symbolizes a lot of goodness in the Ummah of Muhammad Before we start today, we're going to take a few minutes to make uh, dua, a heartfelt dua for our brothers and sisters over there, uh, praying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives faraj and ease, guidance for the Ummah of Muhammad that he removes our difficulties and our afflictions and our trials. Inshallah, we're going to make a lot of dua for them. And this is one of the sunnas, important sunnas. Uh, you know, and remember as you're making dua that your prayers are being connected with the prayers of millions of people around the world for um, uh, our, our brothers and sisters in that space. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks upon us with His compassion and His rahmah and um, gives us uh, what we seek in terms of the ummah and in terms of uh, our current condition, Allahumma ameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu, laka shukru kulluhu, la nuhsi thanaan alayka anta subhanaka kama athayta ala nafsik. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala habibika wa abdika al-mukhtari sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma rabbana inna nadu'uka mutadarri'ina, mutawajjihina ilayka munibin. اللهم ربنا إننا نتوجه إليك بقلوبنا نتوجه إليك ربنا بجوارحنا نتوجه إليك يا ربنا بالدعاء لإخواننا المستضعفين في كل مكان اللهم كلهم ناصرا ومعينا ومؤيدا وظهيرا اللهم فك الكرب عن إخواننا المستضعفين في غزة وفي فلسطين اللهم فك عنهم كربهم اللهم فك عنهم ما نزل بهم من البلاء العظيم اللهم فك ضائقتهم واحقن دماءهم اللهم احقن دماءهم اللهم تقبل شهداءهم اللهم تقبل شهداءهم اللهم تقبل شهداءهم اللهم ربنا داوي مرضاهم داوي جرحاهم داوي جرحاهم اللهم يا ربنا إنا نسألك العون لأراملهم والعون لأيتامهم نسألك يا ربنا أن تعين كل من فقد حبيبه وكل من فقد ماله وبيته اللهم ربنا إنا نسألك أن ترد عنهم كيد الكائدين ومكر الماكرين اللهم عليك بمن ظلمهم اللهم عليك بمن ظلمهم اللهم عليك بمن طغى في البلاد فأكثر فيها الفساد يا ربنا صب عليهم سوط عذاب ربنا إن السماء سماؤك وإن البحر بحرك وإن الأرض أرضك وإن الظالمين لا يعجزونك فاكفناهم بما شئت وكيف شئت يا رب العالمين 
اللهم اجعل تدميرهم في تدبيرهم اللهم اجعل تدميرهم في تدبيرهم اللهم اجعل تدميرهم في تدبيرهم واجعل الدائرة عليهم ولا تجعل لهم صرفا ولا نصرا يا قوي يا قوي يا قوي يا قوي يا عزيز يا خفي الألطاف يا خفي الألطاف يا عليما بالأحوال نسألك يا ربنا أن تكشف ما نزل بنا من البلاء العظيم وأن تولي أمورنا خيارنا وأن لا تولي أمورنا شرارنا Allah, we call upon you, we pray to you, we beseech you, we ask you in this blessed moment, in this blessed space, we ask you, Allah, as believers who've gathered together in your masjid, to be with our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Oh Allah, we ask you to accept their martyrs. We ask you, Allah, to grant them healing. We ask you, Allah, to accept their martyrs and to grant them healing. Oh Allah, we ask you to be with every widow and every orphan, every family who's lost loved ones. We ask you, oh Allah, to be with those who've lost all means of their survival, to be with those who've lost access to electricity, water, food. We ask you, Allah, to grant them their sustenance, grant them their sustenance. Oh Allah, you're aware of their condition and you're aware of the attitude of the world and the powers of the world towards them and you are stronger than all of that. We ask you, oh Allah, to remove from them their afflictions. We ask you to remove from them their afflictions. Oh Allah, remove the trials that have befallen them. Oh Allah, relieve them of the oppression of the oppressors. Oh Allah, relieve them of the oppression of the oppressors. We ask you, Allah, to give charge of our affairs to the best of us, not the worst of us. We ask you, Allah, to grant healing for the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, you're the hearer of all prayers and you're the best to answer all dua. We ask you, oh Allah, to better our condition as an Ummah, to grant us strength and resilience and patience like the people of Gaza. We ask you Allah to grant us strength and patience and resilience and wisdom and knowledge and, and unity. Gather our hearts upon goodness. Oh Allah, gather our hearts upon goodness. Oh Allah, grant us understanding and gather our hearts upon goodness. Make us of those who call for goodness and call to truth and are emblems of justice, guides to goodness, guides to justice. We ask you, Allah, to better by way of us society and humanity, better by way of us society and humanity, push away those who seek war and those who seek bloodshed and those who seek rife and strife, uh, to cause strife between society and people. We ask you, Allah, to grant us this and grant us this. Oh Allah, answer our prayers, answer our prayers and make the best of our actions, the last of our actions, the best of our days, the last of our days and the best of all days, the day we meet you and you're pleased with us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ameen, Ameen, wa akhir da'wana, alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Amma ba'd, hayakum Allahu jami'an to this special event for Gaza to reflect on what's happening and to see how what's happening can make us better people, help us grow in our understandings and our function and in our involvement, our investment in goodness and really use us to better the condition of the ummah. Inshallah, we're going to be having a discussion, uh, and inshallah, I'm going to give you the framing of this discussion. But before we go more into it, uh, I have with me uh, my dear brother, Stad Mundir, who's going to start us off by uh, giving us the intro for the event and uh, you know, explaining uh, you know, some of the um, uh, etiquettes of this gathering. Jazakumullah khair. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala barakatuh everyone. Assalamu alaikum for joining us on uh, this Friday evening. Um, so as Sheikh has mentioned, the topic is Gaza shatters entitlement and inspires hope. Uh, just a few reminders about the adab of this space, uh, the adab of this gathering. Alhamdulillah, there are refreshments that looks like both parties have discovered already. Alhamdulillah. Um, please feel free to uh, take advantage of those refreshments, inshallah. Uh, 
there is only one room here, so uh, any conversation that's had is heard by everyone. So we ask, inshallah, if you have anything to say to your uh, friend, your companion, please take it outside and then come back when you're ready to re-engage with us, bi-idhnillah. Just uh, really two announcements. Uh, the first one is, uh, you know, a lot of appreciation for our mashayikh. If you have not heard the khutbahs from today, uh, go and re-listen to the khutbahs. I myself am still getting caught up with Sheikh Osama's khutbah from earlier today. So please go and re-listen. They really inspire a lot of hope and give you a lot of perspective. Uh, the second is, alhamdulillah, there's an opportunity to donate towards these causes. Uh, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you would have received a link to Islamic Relief USA. Of course, there are many organizations you can donate to, and the ask is just that we support our brothers and sisters however we can, whether it be through dua, whether it be through our pocket, whether it be through our voice, inshallah. As far as this evening, uh, as many of you know, we use a QA system called Slido. Uh, this is bugging out a little bit. Uh, we use a Q&A system called Slido, so feel free to scan the QR code, and as your questions come in, uh, you'll notice that you can upvote other questions. Uh, uh, the questions that get the most votes will see, will have the most attention from me, and if they're relevant to the topic, inshallah, then I'll ask them of the Sheikh, bi'idhnillah, once we get to the Q&A portion. Um, outside of that, Sheikh, I think that's, that's all I had to share. Bismillah. So look, as you guys know, uh, in these Friday Forum discussions, I usually like to start with a framing. Um, uh, you know, there are two main things that I'm hoping that we could focus on in this discussion. You know, the origins of the title actually uh, come from before um, these events happened. You know, we had a talk about two weeks ago about knowing your nefs, knowing yourself and your enemy if you've been following along. And then last week was supposed to be a build-off of that. We had Sheikh Qatanani with us. I was ill. I had to excuse myself. Um, but, you know, really the question is, all right, after I know myself and my nafs, uh, what are ways in which I could experience growth within? You know, how can I begin to understand how the shaitan influences me, how can I build off of that to become a better person? What are those things that really weigh me down when it comes to the way I look at the world? You know, I'm using this nefs to engage with everything around me, right? You know, how should I be looking at my worship and my relationships with Allah Azza wa Jal? What is entitlement and what does, it, what does it do to people? What do I think I deserve to get from people? What are my expectations? What do I think I deserve to get from Allah? And, you know, how, do, how does entitlement affect the choices I make and the things that really bother me? That was before this happened. Then after these events happened, um, you know, I figured, after observing what we saw coming out of Gaza, you know, I saw in them something very, very, very special. You know, we're not talking about companions of the Prophet. We're talking about people that live with us today that have gone through immense difficulty, all the odds of the world stacked up against them, they have every reason to fall into despair and lose hope as human beings. Yet the interesting thing is, you know, you see a mountain of hope when you see some of these videos and these moms who've just experienced losing their children. Their children are martyred, young or old. 
right? And you see this attitude of Alhamdulillah and embracing it and rejoicing about it. And you see this attitude and this sentiment of this father who's holding a toddler full of emotion, yet in a state of strange and odd peace. Where is this coming from? What, what is this? You know, and, and there's more to reflect on in that vein when you think about a people who've been under utter blockade since 2007. 2007, you're talking about um, 16 odd years of utter blockade. You're talking about a young generation that's grown up entirely in this reality of being in this open space concentration camp. Um, you know, so really it gave a practical application to the discussion about the nefs. You know, if the people of Gaza aren't in despair, then why should I? If they haven't lost hope, then how can I allow minor inconveniences in my life to dislodge me? How should this event that's happening make me a better mother, father, son, daughter, husband, wife, better community member? How should, how should I be inspired by the power of the soul when it's pushed to its limits? So there are two things I said I want to go away with from this discussion. The first of these is to process the emotions that we're all feeling and figure out how we could use that taqa and that energy in a useful way. That's one. The second one is, how can this experience help me on a personal level? What reflections do I start, need to start having about my personal life experience in light of what's happening in the world? There's a lot to think about, brothers and sisters. Really reconsider what are my list of priorities? What's really eating away at my time and at my day? What really am I allowing to weigh me down? This is something, you know, you'd think it'd be depressing, but it's actually very inspiring. You see, you see these events that are happening in Gaza, you know, I'm, how many of you guys have taken time to actually watch videos and see with your own eyes about what's happening on the ground over there? How many of you? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. A lot of you. It's good. Our nefs needs to see this. Our nefs needs to see it. You know, and of course, if you're approaching it from Western media, you're going to notice that you have one type of narrative coming out. <laughs> and if you're approaching it from, I guess you could say, non-centralized media, you're going to find uh, another type of uh, uh, rhetoric coming out. And you're gonna, it's just so much to take in and reflect on. We started talking about it in the khutbah. You know, there's layers to this discussion. You know, so when I talk about emotion, what gets you angry? Let's address that. What gets me angry about what's happening in terms of my emotions? What's happening, what gets me angry? One of the things that gets us all angry, I'm sure, is the response of the world towards this event. You know, the disheartening response that we find on every level of politics. It shows us where the real, who has the real power. It shows us how powerful lobbying really is. Shows us that the people that we thought were our, our greatest supporters 
actually turned out to be just as invested in Israel and Zionism as the worst of examples in our country. No difference, no difference between them. And that, that, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. When and we mentioned this example, I mentioned it too, and I also listened to parts of Sheikh Yasser's khutbah. He also mentioned it as well. Um, when you have the highest levels of government getting to the point where it's getting its facts from the mouth of Israel and regurgitating it without any investigation. Now, there's a spiritual lesson in this. You know, I mentioned in the khutbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us very clearly we need to be people of justice. We as Muslims, we, never, we don't want oppression to happen to any human being. I need to be impartial. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, kunu qawameena bilqist. Be of those who firmly stand for what's right. And don't allow anger to ever skew your judgment. That's really the call. It's a simple call. Don't let your anger for a people or your hatred towards a people skew your judgment and make it very biased. That's one thing that makes us angry, right? Like how, how on earth could the head of our government say they're, they're cutting off the heads of babies and they're raping the women? And there's absolutely no evidence for it. And then we find uh, that the White House, you know, uh, you know, sort of uh, under the radar recants this statement um, and just continues in its uh, blind support. You know what it reminds the person of? It reminds us of utter jahiliyyah. That's what the Arabs did with each other. Pre-Islamic Arabs, I don't care what you've done. You're my brother. You're my tribesman. I'm going to wholeheartedly support you with everything I got. No questions asked. Do whatever you want. I give you a blank check to do whatever you want. A'udhu billah. You know, in this, in the, you know we, we, we thought that in this progressed world that we live in, that that type of darkness uh, wasn't that obvious to the forefront. But it is. And that's, that's scary. Especially considering... That you're not just talking about, oh, there's another narrative, oh, there's two sides to the story, and it's a political difference of opinion. You're talking about something that's beyond politics. You have hundreds of reports. You have all kinds of government agencies, Muslim, non-Muslim, countries telling you the International Court of Justice should do something about Israel. Time and time again. You see the phosphorus going off in the sky. Allahu Akbar. You see it on... On live television. You know, it's not like they're like, okay, I'm going to do it when there's no cameras around and we're going to do it in secrecy and no one's going to be able to prove a thing. Now, it's blatant right in front of your eyes. Hey, you know what? I just used, I just used uh, chemical agents and guess what? You can't do anything about it. I don't, I don't care what you have to say. It's to the point where you could see residential buildings collapsing on live television and we, as people who live in the bastion of democracy, see this and find that the response is, Israel has the right to defend itself. A'udhu Billah. A'udhu Billah from the, such a satanic approach to this type of situation. Now this, this, is a, this causes a lot of emotion, right? It causes a lot of anger. 
It causes a lot of sadness, causes a lot of frustration. We don't want the discussion to stop there. That's step one. I have a lot of emotions, I need to know what to do with them. That's a question. I have a lot of emotions, I need to know what to do about these emotions. Step two. Step two. If I'm seeing all of this, and I'm actually seeing how much carnage that's happening there, Allahu Akbar, there was this video, you know, full neighborhoods. You guys, you guys see, seen that? Full neighborhoods, gone, completely gone. Allahu, it's not like, it's not exaggerated information. This video, this camera walking through, this whole street, gone. That whole street, gone. All rocks all over the floor, rubble, nothing there. This should trigger self-reflection. There's no way that I could really meaningfully learn anything from this event if I'm not someone who self-reflects. I need to self-reflect and I need to reflect a lot. This is a big discussion. This is a big discussion. If you're someone who's come to this gathering and there's something that's really irking you or really bothering you in your personal life, you're having a dispute with a sibling or you cut off a friend or you're going through, or you feel like you've been oppressed by another human being, or there's just, just this feuding and infighting that's happening in your own circles. Let's just stop for a moment. Stop and think for a moment. How many times has my nefs convinced me to give something greater priority than it deserves? That's one point of self-reflection. How many times has my nefs convinced me to give something more than it actually deserves? One of the crazy things that we learned about brothers and sisters in this event in Gaza, maybe some people knew about it from before, is even their own electricity and water, they have no control over it. And that this has been regulated for them, not just during the war, even before the war. Whenever Israel feels like it, it'll give them more water, less water. A game, right? I'll shut off the water now. I'll shut off the electricity whenever I feel like it. A'udhu billah. You know, when you see that, if you, if you turn on the live feed at night, and they show Gaza, you see utter darkness. Complete darkness. How many things have I taken for granted in my life? Let me think about that. When we're talking about entitlement, sometimes the blessings that we have Layers of blessings cause this attitude towards life that's really, really toxic. It's not, it's not a good attitude towards life. That I begin to think in a way as though I'm above. I'm greater. But guess what? One of the things that the people of Gaza learned, you know, when you find all the doors closed in your face, it causes this special thing. And we learned this recently from one of the shiuch. Uh, that we sat down with, and they say, he said, the greatest door to enter upon to Allah Azza wa Jal from is, you know what it is? What, what, door you think, what door do you think it is? What door do you think it is? Raise your hand, huh? Uh, you were in the gathering. Huh? huh? What? Gratitude. Gratitude. It's a good answer. وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ Few of my servants are truly grateful. What else do you guys think? What do you think is the greatest door to enter upon to Allah Azza wa Jal? Go ahead. Someone said patience. What did you say? Yeah, you have your hand up? Go ahead. 
What? Shaheed. Okay. Dying in the, sacrificing your life for a really good cause. All right. Patience, gratitude. Who else wants to say something? Yes. What? At-tawassul ilayh. To seek Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is fulfillment of something. That, that He does it for you. All right. To turning to Him. What else? What does that mean? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. This is a really good response. Did you hear what she said? Did you understand what she said? No, you didn't understand. Okay. She said, Ittirar. There's a close word to it. It's Iflas. Right? When I'm someone living today, I, again, I have a lot of means, right? Uh, I have this nice cup in front of me that someone dear got for me. <laughs> I have this nice phone in front of me that's like my third arm, right? I have the nice fan on top of me and these nice lights on top and I have this comfort and I know that once I leave here right now, I'm not going to have to walk home. Imagine you had to, well, unless you lived over there, it wouldn't be a big <laughs> deal, but like imagine you lived like 10 miles away and you had to walk home. It'd be a nice exercise at night, but hey, you know, I have this comfort where I just walk down the steps, sit in this chair, turn on this car, and I go home. Very easy. No problems at all. And I don't think that anything... You know, here's the thing. Um, you know, people, you know, you know, one of the greatest things that affected um, soldiers that came back from the Iraq war, you know what it was? You know, it wasn't the fighting itself. There was something even worse than the fighting itself that affected them after the war. There's a, it's, a, it's a mental health condition. What do they call it? PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder. You know how many of those soldiers ended up committing suicide because of PTSD? That they wake up in the night, oh my God, feeling that there's bombs going off or that there's a gun going... You, you. This is something that we can't even relate to, guys. You know, forget about the Iraq war. Our brothers and sisters right now in Gaza, can you imagine the type of life they're living? Non-stop, day and night. These are airstrikes, brothers and sisters. We're not talking about another power that's just like them, you know, equal grounds, right? We're talking about one of the most powerful militaries in the world. And it has with them, hey, guess what? The, the new shipment of bombs came in, right? The new toys came in. They were taking videos of it, of the new toys, American toys, paid with taxpayer dollars. They came in. There's two military um, carriers, from America. There's two more from Britain sitting outside of this small space called Gaza. Allahu Akbar, what, what are they? They're not even a recognized state. And that's how much power that they, that's how powerful the nefs is, by the way, right? This is not what gives you power, right? This is not what gives you power. Entitlement's not what gives you power, right? Luxury is not what gives you power. You know, one of the things that actually weakens us. Are these things, these material things that weigh us down, blind us, you know, they take away from our judgment, brothers and sisters. Ittirar, right? When you know that all doors are closed, that there's one door left. Allahu Akbar. That's power. The door of Allah Azza wa Jal. Realizing that I have nothing. Iflas. That's why iflas is a better word than ittirar even. Iflas 
means you go to Allah. I'm nothing. I, you know, there's a reason why being in sujood is the closest position. Forget about my knowledge and my know-how. Forget about my networks and my relationships. Forget about what I think I could do. Forget about all that. All that. Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Qawiyu Al-Aziz. Kulillahumma Malik Al-Mulk. تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز من تشاء اللهم أعزنا This should be our prayers, brothers and sisters. When we think about iflas and we think about the nafs, one of the things that Allah blessed the person with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove those things that blind me and weigh me down, and I'm going to realize that Allah is the true source of honor. Whoever He gives honor will have the greatest strength. مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْعِزَّةِ فَلِلَّهِ الْعِزَّةُ جَمِيعًا Right, that's one of the things about Gaza. You know, Gaza, you see, if I start thinking like this, do I realize how it can make me a better person? Mm. Oh, man. Yes, it can. I want this to be a discussion. I want us to think deeply along these lines. Brothers and sisters, every single one of us could turn on Jazeera and shout at the TV. Right? I could pick up something and just get so angry and throw it at the TV and I could say, Yil'an kadha, yil'an kadha, and may Allah damn these people, may Allah do this to them, وخلاص. but in the end of the day, Allah shows us a lot of things throughout our lives. Will they really make a difference in terms of the choices I make? This is how we make this event actually carry bigger meaning. How's it going to change my behaviors? How, you know, is every little thing that comes up in my life going to demolish my confidence? How could it build my confidence? Am I going to be spreading this truth to other people? Let me do that right now. Wallahi. You see this, brothers and sisters? You know what's happening at colleges and universities across the country right now? There's this battle for narrative. And by the way, Israelis, they're not quiet. They are not quiet at all. They have tons of people in the media on every single level. Guess what? And even in the universities. People are being silenced. Be quiet. Don't say anything. Do you condemn? That's always the first question. We have some smart people uh, from our from, from the who represent the Muslim and Arab community and uh, who are able to respond to this in an intelligent way. But always the first question is what? Do you condemn the, the killing of innocent Israeli civilians? Always the first question. Always the first question coming out of their mouth. And sometimes it's difficult. You're put on the spot. How am I supposed to respond? I need to learn how to respond. I can't be silent on this. You know, the Palestinian cause isn't just for Palestinians. I, if, if, you're, if you're Pakistani, if you're Indian, if you're, if you're from Africa, if you're from Asia, wherever you're from, hey, guess what? This is your cause. Just as much as it is for any Palestinian. You just need to learn about it. I need to learn about it. I need to, and then, inshallah, we're going to do another session. So we're going to bring our beloved Sheikh Qatanani. We may bring another guest along us, with us here. You need to learn about this. What's the history of Gaza? Why did it happen like this? What's 1967? What's 1948? Right? How has Israel systematically led its way up to this point? Right? These things aren't random. A lot of thought, a lot of um, kaid and makr and uh, um, evil plotting has been put into getting them to where they are right now. So let's, let's have a discussion now. I don't know if there's any things coming in, Akhi. Um, uh, yeah. uh, that we could continue this discussion, give it life. Inshallah. So I just wanted to, to kind of capture where we are. Uh, yeah. so, so I think, Sheikh, when, when you started, you were thinking about the frustration that we're all feeling. Uh, and, and 
trying to help us find a way to channel this into something positive, right? So we, we are frustrated by the uh, mainstream media's lies, blatant lies, uh, and we're frustrated by the attack uh, on our brothers and sisters in Palestine, and we're frustrated about a lot of different things, but there's no, it feels as though, what the, what's the outlet? And so your, your answer to that question of what's the outlet is one excellent opportunity is to look inside and say, what's in my nefs that needs to be addressed? What's in my relationships that needs to be addressed? Yes. What's in my family that's not cleaned up? What can I do better to help my brothers and sisters? That's, that's, the, that's one answer to this frustration. Of course. Questions that have come up have been, okay, what about the other people who I have in my orbit? So one, one question that got a lot of likes was, you know, in school there's a kid who's a proud Zionist, and the other day he was saying, is it true that Muhammad did genocide in a mocking way? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to even do anything? That's a really good question. Zakallah khair. Am I supposed to do anything? Look, you know, one of the things that's really critical for us, uh, and, and I really liked that there was videos that put this out. Uh, we need to be very careful in the way we respond to things. We need to be wise. We need to be holistic in our responses. Um, when these accusations about um, babies being killed or women being raped came out, we had on the other side, for those really looking for the truth, videos coming out showing how children were dealt with, how women were dealt with. Actually, there was reports of people coming forth, Israeli women coming forward and saying, no, actually, I was respected. I wasn't attacked. You know, they, they actually told me that their religion says they can't put their hands on me. And this was respected. This is important. And it's also important to be very balanced in your approach. You know what? Look, it's very clear. The other side isn't really trying to be balanced. If I stoop down to their level, I've lost the battle. One of the things that Israel tries to maintain is the moral higher ground. Speaking with, as though they have moral superiority. And that's why this question always comes the first time. Is, do you condone the killing of innocent Israeli citizens? And the response to this question is by actually recontextualizing the struggle. Don't buy into the question. Don't say no. Uh, don't say yes, I condone. Of course not. That would be the worst thing you could possibly do. Recontextualize the struggle. The bigger question is, and I liked what there's, his last name is Zamlut, I forgot his name. He was asked this question. Um, uh, one of the things he said, you know, how many, report, how many Israelis have you interviewed on your news station? How many times have you interviewed an Israeli in my position? Many. How many times have you asked them this question the first time? Right? This is a smart way in responding to it. Because the thing is, you know, it's, it's very strategic tactics to try to paint Muslims in a very bad image. No, we're very clear on this. Do we have, brothers and sisters, do we have issues with people who follow Judaism, with our Jewish brothers and sisters? Is that who our fight with and our struggle with? Is it with Jewish brothers and sisters? People who follow the Jewish faith. 
Be very clear, brothers and sisters, is the issue and struggle with people who follow the Jewish faith? No. No, of course not. It's not. It's not at all. It's not a religious war. It's not, a, sorry, it's not a war about religions. It's not a war of religions. It is a Zionistic ideology, an ideology called Zionism that is insistent on committing genocide ethnic cleansing, forced seizures of land. That's, what, that's the real issue. If you're not familiar with this word, learn about it. Zionism, go look it up. Go look up Zionism and see what they're doing to the world. That's the problem. So we need to be very thoughtful. My answer to this question is, is, you know, if you're going to make a claim, then give it evidence. If you say, I say our beloved Prophet ﷺ was a mercy for the worlds, and his companions were mercies, a source of mercy for the world as well. We have tons of examples in our tradition in which the Prophet ﷺ honored people of other faiths within the Islamic paradigm. You want to claim that Muhammad ﷺ was a person of genocide, you prove it. I have tons of proof. For the other, and if you don't have this, brother or sister, whoever's asking the question, learn about it. What are the proofs of genocide through the tongues of Westerners? Forget about, they're going to take our words with bias, right? Go to the tongues of Westerners. What are the proofs of genocide by Israel? And, you know, sometimes just sending a picture might help. There's this nice, real, real nice image. Picture shows you the map of Palestine from 1948, 1967. And then afterwards to 2023, and you see this, this, this part of Palestine that the Palestinians living on, shrinking, 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 all right? Send them that picture. But, you know, battle this ignorance with knowledge. That's what we should do. Allah alam. Another uh, great question that I think ties in at this point in the discussion is, is what's happening in the world one of the signs of the Day of Judgment? And I think you addressed this in your khutbah when you said, you saddaq al-kathib wa you kathib al-sadiq. If you could reiterate that point, inshallah, for the audience. Look, um, uh, there are definitely several signs of the hour that we can identify in our reality, signs of the day of judgment. One of them is this hadith, right? The Prophet ﷺ said, there's going to come upon my ummah years, deceitful years, in which the liar will be believed and the honest one will be accused of lying. The treacherous person will be seen as trustworthy, and the trustworthy person will be seen as treacherous. And this is a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ says it, and we see this you know, playing out in our reality very, very, belig- very blatantly, very blatantly playing out in our reality. Now, is this among the signs of the hour right, right now? Like, Can I say with certain that after this, the events of the big signs of the Day of Judgment are going to happen? There's a lot of, you, want, you should be careful, there's a lot of theories that are out there that are, you know, borderline conspiracy. Can I immediately buy into them and speak to them uh, with certainty, all oh, that we're on the doors of uh, what they call al-malhma al-kubra and this, this and that? No, possible. But I can't speak about the unseen with certainty. I can deal with reality with greater certainty, but I do know that the Prophet ﷺ indeed said, spoke of a struggle between the uh, Zionists 
and the Muslims that will come in the end of times. This seems to be playing out as such. But is this the end of times? I don't know. What's going to happen to come? I don't know. Keep yourself based in reality. This is my advice. What's going to happen tomorrow or five years from now or ten years from now? You could continue to reflect on it. But, and you could investigate and research and say, you know, what's the plan? What's the political strategy there? And what's the political strategy there? But try to stay grounded in reality. You know, and that's why, like I said, the last thing that you want to happen is to walk away from this event just being another uh, political pundit. Don't, don't be like that, right? Don't be a person who's just, all right, I'm a political pundit. I think that this, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And this side wants that and that side wants that. No, try to walk away with it, with, from it with something meaningful that's going to change your behavior in your life. Wallahu alam. So I think building on that point, uh, changing something and, and having a, a meaningful outcome from uh, this reality, right? I think this question helps us in that process. So if... If we're saying that, alhamdulillah, uh, what's happening now is a clear sign of the Day of Judgment coming closer, what does that mean for us? It's, it's, a, it's a good question to be asked because what the Day of Judgment coming means that we need to get our affairs in order, right? If, if, the, day, if the Day of Judgment is tomorrow and you stole $10,000 from someone today, you're going to want to give those $10,000 back today. You're not going to want to wait until tomorrow. So yes, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very meaningful question that should spur us into, into action. Is this a sign of the day of judgment that uh, you know the, the liar is believed and the and the person who uh, always <coughs> tells the truth is, is disbelieved? Absolutely, that's a sign of the day of judgment. Sheikh Hussam mentioned it. Sheikh Yasser mentioned it. I'm sure many Mashaikh have mentioned it. But what this means for us is not to give up. To say, oh, the day of judgment's coming. I might as well just call it a day. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to Netflix it out. No, it's to actually say, oh, the day of judgment is coming. I've got a lot of work to do because I'm not ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with what I have right now in my scale of deeds. I, I, I need to invest. I need to show up at the masjid. I need to donate. I need to give. This is an opportunity from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put our affairs in order uh, if the Day of Judgment has gotten so close that it's right around the corner. There was a question here about... There was another question. I just wanted to mention it now, which is how will the money reach or help Gaza? Uh, because there's a fundraiser. Yes. Um, all right. Very good question. Look, uh, right now, um, can relief uh, and aid get into Gaza? Answer, no. What's the proof of this? Yeah, they tried to get some aid into Gaza from Rafah, the border passing with Egypt. And the war criminals took their you know, um, fighter jets and struck the border passing. Uh, they're trying to, you know not to kill a terrorist, right? To blow up rice and water and other foods that are getting to people who are starving. A'udhu Billah. That's what the wars of Israel, that's what the uh, fighter jets of Israel are being used for. They're being put to good use. Uh, so the point is now though, is there's a buildup of supplies. At some point, we hope, we dearly hope inshallah, Sooner rather than later, we're going to be able to get things into Gaza. You know, one of the crazy things, brothers and sisters, you, uh, you know, I, one, of the, one of the political commentators remarked, he said, Gaza has been rebuilt since 2007 five times. Allahu Akbar. Allah, it's, you know, it's very, very tragic. Rebuilt five times, right? Now, 
at some point that help is going to be able to get in. So if you donate to these organizations, then as soon as we get the green light, the help is going to get in right away, inshallah ta'ala. So that's, that's the advice to give for that cause. I think we'll take a couple of questions. Sister has her hand up very eagerly. The exact language, of course, back then during the time of the Prophet, they did not have Zionists, right? Uh, the exact language is there's actually a bunch of hadiths. Uh, one of them is uh, You will fight the Jews. Of course, a category among them, right? Um, and you will be. On, there's one of these narrations that says you'll be on the east of the river and they'll be on the west of it. And it was asked which river and it was said the Jordan River. Right? That's one of the narrations that says. And there's other variations of the hadith that says other things. That the condition will deteriorate to the point where um, there'll be great loss of life and people will lose any sense of mercy or compassion towards their enemy. And, um, and, you know, and it'll be to the point where, uh, you know, they will experience severe losses because of the actions they've committed. There's a lot of different wordings for the hadith. You could look it up. Um, but that's one of them. Allah We'll alternate, inshallah. Yes. You need to do it wisely. You know, what I would, I think, Sheikh Qatanani and I. Can you repeat the question? Yes. Um, the, the question was uh, we spoke about earlier in the khutbah today that we need to spread the word. That's one of our responsibilities as Muslims here today. Now, uh, we were discussing this, um, uh, uh, Sheikh Qatanani and I and Ibrahim uh, recently, and one of the reflections was that we need a lot more Muslims. Uh, to represent, especially in certain arenas, uh, in certain facets, especially talking about politics and um, with the media, uh, people who are very sharp and intelligent, able to communicate messages effectively. We have some, but we don't have nearly enough, right? So, you know, I think the greater calling would be maybe perhaps some of the young people here invest your time in actually learning your history and your tradition, learning what's happening in the world today, and learn about the mechanisms and means to articulate them effectively. Now, of course, uh, getting into nonsense, um, you know, is not really going to get you far. Like, you know, getting into some shouting match at someone with school uh, over, you know, who's going to win and who's going to do what and who's going to mishaarifah this. That's not really very useful. But being someone who is able to articulate your message effectively in certain ways, like one of the, one of the crazy things is these uh, Israeli groups are even targeting schools. Right? They're not just leaving their lobbying for politics. Now they're trying to get their messaging in schools. And we need Muslims to have the confidence to stand up to this. You know, that there's two sides to the story, and whether you like it or not, you need to accept that. And it's not fair for you to allow this lobbying to happen in the school space. 
and speak out about it wisely. Again, there's, there's, there's a lot of resources you could tap into in the, in the community if you want. If you have a message, uh, maybe if you want to send a letter to those who are in charge of the administration in your school, you could get this letter looked at by certain people who are very knowledgeable in this regard. Uh, I was on a call earlier in the week. It was for uh, imams and it was organized by, by AMP. And they had this type of thing where they said they're looking into letters being sent um, to local organizations because sometimes if it's not worded right, it could get you in a lot of trouble. You don't want to be a person who is, and, and you're trying to say something good and with good intentions, but because of bad wording, you end up being accused of inciting violence or supporting violence, right? So, some, you know, that, that's really the advice I would have for that. You know, if you see something happening at your school, then, you know, look for the resources in the community that are going to help you be able to respond effectively and wisely. Wallahu alam. Uh, hey, another thing you could do. There's a lot of protests happening. They've been happening. If you're someone who wants to learn, you know, you haven't really been tapped into this reality and you want to learn, go to these protests, listen to what's being said, learn about the information that's out there, go read on re uh, online resources from trusted sources, and build your database of information so that when you say something, you say the right thing. Allah alam. So let's say that. There's... Want to repeat it? Uh, yeah, so the question is, uh, is it permissible to go to a rally because there's free mixing between men and women? And what Sheikh's opinion is on this? Look, um, uh, we need to realize and understand, you know, like, look, if you're going, Allah knows your intention. If you're going to a protest to get married, then it shows that you have a lot of batata and basal up here, you know, potatoes and onions, you know. Um, Cooked potatoes and onions, right? Anyway, but if you're going to a rally because you're trying to um, support a good cause, th then, hey, you know what? You could do that in a way that maintains your modesty, maintains your dignity. You don't need to go stand. If you're a sister, you don't need to go stand in the middle of the circle of her brothers. If you're a brother, you don't need to go follow where uh, the spaces where they're sister. You could, you, you're not there for that. You should not be there for that. And we should realize that there's something more, you know, what happens is there's these, um, um, you know, fake muftis that come up on a lot of college campuses. I recently visited uh, um, uh, one of these campuses and I was asked to address a question that, you know, we got, we got kids coming on to WhatsApp groups and they think they know it all about Islam and um, how do you address this? So, you know, look, the, the way you address this, you got to realize that ignorance leads to generalization. Knowledge leads to nuance. That's the, that's the reality of it. The more you see someone generalize and say, haram, bid'ah, kufr, shirk, this, you know this person's an ignorant person. That's a sign of ignorance. The more you see the person look at, oh, it's different shades of gray, uh, nuance, there's detail, not all situations are the same. Uh, this is a condition and that is a requisite and this and so on and so forth. That type of rhetoric, that's the useful rhetoric. So my response, no, uh, not at all. In fact, uh, uh, you know, these protests have their... Not everyone 
is going to find themselves having the personality of someone who can shout on a microphone. Um, but we have certain people who can do this effectively. And people who have the time and the ability to do this, yani, we need it. We need The other side's doing it, and the other side's being extremely vocal. Now, because you said it's haram, you want us to be quiet and sit in our little corner? No, this is laysa hadha bimantiq. This is not sound logic. Allahu alam. Interesting that this, this question comes up usually not like, oh, can I go to Starbucks because it's haram, there's remixing there. It's like, oh, can I go to a rally? Oh, it's haram, there's remixing there. It's not. You know the amount of jahil, brothers and sisters, wallahi, it's utter ignorance. You know, you'll find uh, we're in a gathering and we're making dua from our hearts for people who are um, suffering to the point of death. And we got Am al-Sheikh al-Faqih. I don't want to raise my hands in du'a because it's a bid'ah to make du'a in, in, in jama'ah. Oh, it's a bid'ah. You can't make du'a in jama'ah. Wow, yeah. I'm not going to make du'a for those people, uh, you know, because I don't want to do something that's mukhalif li sunnah. Allahu Akbar. You ever hear of qunut al-nazila? You know, so dhikr jama'i in salah is okay. Dhikr jama'i outside of salah, bid'ah munkara. Right? This is because, again, a lot of potatoes and onions up here. A lot of potatoes and onions up here. This is the problem. You know, uh, we learned from our Prophet Wasallam to implore Allah Azza wa Jal. In our Salat Jama'ah, it's called Qunut al-Nazila, right? When something afflicts the Muslims, we gather together and make dua. Because my dua alone is limited. But my dua with a vast gathering of believers is stronger, right? How is this? How is this? How is this mantiq? You know, when we learn from Salat al-Istisqa and when people are experiencing drought, that the imam should gather the people and they should do tadarru' ila Allah azza wa jalla and raise their hands to remove the affliction. But I'm a shaykh, oh, no, 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 I don't make dua with other Muslims. I make dua alone. Because making dua with other Muslims is haram, bid'a. Yeah, Allah Akbar. Allah protect us. Afan, that's what we call it. Go ahead. <laughs> Before we take a hand, there was a question here that I think needs to be asked and answered. Because it's a question that is tough to ask outside of these spaces. Which is, do you agree with all that Hamas is doing? Even though there are tons of lies through the media, but do you agree with the way that they're going about this? And the reason that I wanted to ask this question is because it's really hard to ask these questions outside of a, a space like this. Yeah. So, so, number one, how would you answer this? And number two, if you're asked this question in school, how would you answer it? Okay, very good. Jazakallah it's a very good question. Look at this, guys, brothers and sisters. Realize this. When you're someone in the midst of the situation, you can look at all the variables and see everything and you can get the full picture. When you're far, far away from it, hundreds of miles away from it, and you're divorced from access to the inward workings of things, it's hard for you to make judgment. You don't know. You don't know what's happening on the ground. Do I know what Fulan, Walla Illan, Walla Alantan is doing fully and why they're doing it and how they're doing it? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's being communicated to me through third sources. Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, in ja'akum fasiqum binaba'in, fatabayyanu. And to see This system of verification that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put in place. If you hear information, verify it. 
And what happens if you can't verify it? Then I'm not going to pass judgment. I don't know. Do I need to agree or disagree about anything? In the I, I deal with principles. I deal with values. I deal with bigger picture. In terms of what we're seeing in terms of oppression, loss of life. That's the obvious. You can't deny that. Like there's... Like, I would have to be delusional to see innocent people being pulled from the ground and say that's not happening. But what is Fulan or Ilan doing? I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't is it possible? So the question is, is it possible for the leadership in Gaza or in West Bank or in America or anywhere else to make wrongful decisions? Yes, it's possible. I can make wrong decisions right now. I can make wrongful decisions too right now. Is it possible? I'm a human being. I'm, I'm riddled with flaws. Of course I could make mistakes. But do I need to make judgment on something I can't verify? I don't. So for me, to answer this question, the answer is, I don't, I'm not in a position to hold anyone accountable to begin with. And I'm not in a position to verify all the details that are happening on the ground. So my advice to you is, instead of getting caught up with what Hamas is doing, or what Fulan is doing, see what you can verify from the reality, and judge that. That's more meaningful. For me, a more meaningful discussion is to talk about the illegal tactics that are being employed, that we see that are being admitted to, they're not being lied about, they're not being uh, denied, like Israel's not coming to say, hey, you know what, I didn't turn off any electricity, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't know, they're making up lies, no, <laughs> Israel told you, they're animals, we're going to turn off the lights, and we're going to turn off the water, you don't need to verify this, it's obvious, but if I was you, don't get caught up in the political garbage that's meant to distract, Wallahu alam. There's a brother who had a question over there. Are the people of Bani Israel and the people of Israel the same or are they different? Okay, who's Israel? I don't know, not the Zionists. Somebody said it over there. Sayyidina Ya'qub alayhi salam. Sayyidina illa ma harrama Israelu ala nafsi. Sayyidina Israel, Sayyidina Ya'qub, one person. They're the same person. Who's Bani Israel? Who are the children of Yaqub alayhi salam? Who are the children of Yaqub? Huh? Sayyidina Yusuf was one of his sons, right? Benjamin was another son. And then there was other brothers. Total of 12. From the 12 brothers came Jewish tribes. 12 Jewish tribes. These, are what we, these tribes are what we call Al-Asbat. Right? So... Um, that's Ben Israel for you. That's an old term, right? The children of Israel is an old term. It's going back uh, to that date, Allah Alam. Fadal. Alaikum salam wa So I want to repeat the question, but I want to add to it. Because we've had a few similar questions. So the question is, as citizens of the U.S., what's our role? And, and the questions that are coming in online are, are we going to be held accountable for our tax dollars, for example? Uh, so, so at what level 
are we held to task by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What's our role as Americans? Look, Zakallah um, it's a really good question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really aware of our very complicated reality. We're in a time where there's no safe zone that you would go to to isolate from conflict and controversy. They're everywhere you go. Even in Mecca and Medina themselves. You can't. There's no safe zone that's far away from problems and controversy. So are we going to be held accountable for how the current administration is choosing to use taxpayer dollar? Well, that's not a choice I made. And that's not a choice that, you know, I could, uh, that, that, that I could effect single-handedly. I can't do, effect that single-handedly. Well, yeah, I could choose to pick up my stuff and go to another part of the world. But guess what? You're going to face other controversial things on that side of the world too. You're going to face a lot of problems. That's the reality of our dunya today. Now, as a Muslim who lives here, what can I do about what's happening? As we laid out, there's, there's a bunch of things I could do. There's things I could do on a personal level. Look, I need to be a candle that's lit in the darkness. You know what? If, if you have one candle versus having a hundred versus having a thousand versus having a hundred million, the more that I'm able to become more effective in the circles of influence that Allah put me in, guess what? This is contributing to a reviving ummah. Guys, is the ummah reviving today? Is the ummah reviving today? Answer the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had, I had a discussion, I remember, with someone. Miskeen. Allah ino, yani. But um, he saw it a different way. He saw it. No, we're backwards. We're selfish. We're not going anywhere. We don't care about real problems. And he kept on, we, 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 putting us down, putting us down as an ummah. But someone who sees it on a bigger scale, zoom out. Do we have a lot of problems as Muslims? Yeah, we do, of course. We have tons of problems in terms of organizing ourselves and becoming an effective force politically and socially. Um, do we have problems in terms of uh, mental health issues and drug addiction and, uh, and even loss of faith? We have these problems? Oh, of course, we have big problems, right? But if you zoom out, you see, and guess what? The powers of the world see too. That no matter how many times I tried to beat this, this force down, right? It keeps on coming back stronger. You know what they used to call the last khilafa? It happened to be the Ottoman Empire, right? It happened to be the Ottoman Empire, the last khilafa, the last thing that gathered the ummah, right? Before this became a fading. By the way, this, this term ummah, it's a buzzword, right? Um, you know, it's for the FBI over there to follow along with us. It's, the ummah is a buzzword, right? Because they'd much rather us buy into nation-state realities that were created at the onset of the modern era, right? Sykes-Biko, you guys know what Sykes-Biko is? Go, go read about it if you don't know about it. Um, and, and the Belfort Accords and all this stuff. This was meant to fragment the ummah and give the upper hand to this thing called Israel that was implanted in the middle of the Muslim world, right? There's a lot of history there. But we, they don't want us to be an ummah, right? I, you know, I, they'd much rather I be a Palestinian and I make it a Palestinian cause than I make it an Islamic cause. 
Because Islamic cause, I mean, Palestinian cause, what I'm going to have to deal with a few million, what's the big deal? Islamic cause, I'm going to have to deal with one, over 1.5 billion. That's a big problem. That's a really, really big problem. If the sleeping giant awakes and he's waking up, the sleeping giant's waking up, right? You're finding many people, look, this is, a, this is a testament to this, right? Look around you. I want um, everyone to look around. We have among us some of our elders, right? Uh, people, um, no offense, you know, if you're elders, this is an honor, right? Man shaba fil islami shaba, right? There'll be nur, inshallah, on the day of judgment. Look around. You're going to see some people in their 50s, 60s, 70s. But most of the people around you, young faces, right? 20s, 30s, 40s, this age, this age bracket. This is a beautiful sign for the ummah. That we're seeing the masajid becoming more full. We need more masajid. We're having space and capacity issues. We're having so many organizations. And we're growing. It's a, it's a tide. It's turning. It's turning. The tide's turning. It's happening. Slowly, but it's happening. So I'm going to go back to your question, right? So I need to be a candle lit in the darkness. The better I am, that'll contribute. I need to see myself as being someone who represents the ummah. I'm an ambassador to this ummah. I need to be lit in myself. I need to be, bring goodness wherever I go. And guess what? What's this goodness I need to bring? This is the second part of the question. So that's something personal, on a personal level. What are the other things that we need to do? We need to um, first build up, build up our expertise base. We, like I said, we need people in the media. We need people who can address things that are political effectively. right? And then the other thing that we need is to support organizations that are really representing the ummah in critical spaces, like AMP, and there's many other ones like them. AMP, American Muslims for Palestine, and, um, and other organizations that are contributing to uh, the intellectual representation of the ummah. This is another uh, of the Muslim community in the West. Right? I need to support organizations like this. Um, I also need to donate. That's a big role that Muslims have in the West. Hey, you know what? Don't allow yourself to live lavishly and forget about the rest of the world. Right? No, I need to donate. And also, I need to give of my time. Like I said, if you're someone, some people could give their money, some people could give their time. Yeah, maybe I need to give some of my time and go, to, go out to these protests, go out to these gatherings. Some people could donate with their knowledge and their information, their understanding, their awareness. These are, you know, and then the other thing like that, break out of your silo. Break out of your silo. Look, if you're someone who's come to the masjid today and your identity as a Muslim is obscure to everyone around you, this is something you could work on. It's going to take courage. Think about the courage of Muhammad When he came out, he was all alone. And he went to the people of Mecca. And he brought to them this religion. He announced it to them. As one man standing in front of his entire community. I need to break out of my silo. If I have friends, co-workers that know me for a long time and they don't know a single thing about my Islam, about my Muslim identity, then you know what? Maybe I'm to blame. I'm too scared. Some people are scared of their head. I don't want anyone to know about me. They're going to think they're going to judge me. You know, No! Light a candle in the darkness. Have a, converse, a meaningful conversation. Right? Tell them about the Palestinian cause. Tell them about what's happening on that side of the world. 
explain to them this world that they don't know much about, right? I think that's a really critical thing. Each person, personal conversations, right? With whoever you're around, right? <laughs> Today something funny happened. I was in a store and uh, because of this thobe, it's black, I got confused for uh, a rabbi, I, you know. <laughs> someone uh, uh, said, hey rabbi, how are you doing? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, no, no, I'm actually a, an imam. He was like, what's that? Uh, I said, I'm Muslim, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a head of a mosque. Uh, it's our Muslim space of worship. And I could see the, you know, the thought process changing in his mind. I think he was about to give me words of support for what's happening over there when he thought I was a rabbi. And, was, and then he just gave me a fist bump, that's it. <laughs> but hey, you know, we need to have those difficult conversations. Wallahu alam. Take a, one more question. You had your hand yeah. up. I'll try my best to capture, <laughs> capture that was very beautifully said uh, but this is sharing that uh, a, a comment is that we are here for the akhirah and it may seem painful to see what's happening to our brothers and sisters uh, but through that pain is uh, felicity, right? If they die uh, as a shaheed then they get to exist in Jannah forever uh, with no hisab, with no uh, 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 test, with, with no uh, uh, having accountment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it may seem from our perception, from our dunyawi perception, that this is painful and this hurts and this is uncomfortable. But if we have an ukhrawi perception, if we have a perception of the akhirah being our intent, then actually they're earning the, the easiest ticket to get into paradise. I hope I captured some of that, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. That, you know, I, I want to say a concluding statement. We're going to stop here, but... I you know, have one more question before you Okay, conclude. before you stop, yeah. uh, then uh, before that question. Look, we, we shouldn't take anything for granted, guys. Um, you know, trial wasn't only written for the people of Gaza, Syria, Egypt, Yemen. You know, trial could be awaiting anybody. And the lesson here is, you know, I need to strengthen my iman, I need to strengthen it now. I shouldn't take anything for granted. I shouldn't think that Allah has written for me a life of ease for the rest of my life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So this should be a moment, a call to really reassess and re-examine the strength of my faith. I need to strengthen it now. Remember Allah in ease, He'll be with you in hardship. What's the last question? So the last question is something that I think, uh, you know, it was, it was shared here a couple of times, but it's also something that I've heard uh, in, in my personal relationships at work with the fellow Muslims that I work with. I'm scrolling through my, you know, whatever feed, uh, and I feel pain. 
I'm having trouble sleeping. I want to do something. I don't know what to do. And I just go through these cycles of watching my timeline, crying, not able to sleep, and cycling over and over through that cycle. So the question is, what, what do I do? Like, I, I feel at a loss for being able to help. Uh, I'll, I'll try to address part one, and then hopefully you can clean up whatever sure. I mess up, inshallah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I think, for, first of all, a, a small dose of reality is all you really need. You don't need to spend seven hours consuming the very, very painful images of reality. Sheikh Hussama shared earlier that you need to expose your eyes, but they don't need to be constantly immersed. So setting a limit is very reasonable, and it does not do a disservice to our brothers and sisters in Gaza by us setting a limit to how much exposure we're going to have. Our heart can only handle so much. Their hearts, from when they were born until today, have seen that. They can handle it. Their iman is strong enough for that. Our iman may not be that strong. We may not have that closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that says, I can handle this constant exposure. So expose yourself. Give yourself a half hour a day to get caught up. Give yourself some time to, to experience some of the pain that your brothers and sisters are, are, are experiencing. But then use that. Right? Don't, don't let it dissipate. And using that looks very different for some of us. For me, it could be dua. Right? And for all of us, at least, it should be dua. For someone else, it might be finances. It might be, I was inspired by this to give XYZ you know, amount to, to, to uh, uh, Islamic Relief or Penny Appeal or whoever. For others, it might be your voice. I know that for, for some of us here who are younger, uh, you may not, you may be graduating soon, you may be in school, you may be in your young professional life. There are people who are in your age category who spoke out for Palestine. And as a result, whether this be 10 years ago, 5 years ago, or yesterday, their job offers were rescinded. They're uh, uh, blacklisted from getting certain promotions or getting opportunities to join certain organizations. They're in positions that seem difficult. And if you're worried about this, if you think to yourself, I don't want to speak out because I'm worried about what that's going to mean for me. I don't want to speak out because I'm worried about my rizq. Then I will share with you what Sheikh Yasser shared yesterday at Islamic Release Fundraiser, which is, The people of Gaza, they were cut off from water. They were cut off from electricity. They, if Israel could steal the oxygen from the air, they would steal the oxygen from the air. And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of them. It doesn't matter that all the pipes and avenues were closed off. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of them. If he's going to take care of the people in Gaza, what do you think he's going to do for me when I speak out for the people of Gaza? He's going to take care of me too. So if your fear over the next couple of years, over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of days is reprisal, if you're afraid that if I speak up, somebody's going to assault me, somebody's going to attack me, I'm going to lose my job, definitely speak up. And show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have faith in you, ya Allah. You're going to take care of me. One of my teachers, uh, when I was uh, traveling in Turkey, I was having a conversation with him. And I was telling him, you know, sometimes I'm in situations where I'm uncomfortable. That if I say something, I'm going to get in trouble. That if I say something, I might even get hurt. Somebody might, might hurt me in a way that might damage me long term. He said, is what you're going to say haqq? Is it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is your intention clear? I told him, sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. He said, when your intention is clear, do it. Let's say the worst happens. Let's say that you suffer the worst calamity. Because you did something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
you'll get all of those rewards back. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you endlessly and completely. So yes, it might be hard. And you might feel in your heart something difficult. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you as much as you're willing to give him Jalla Fi'ula. I'm going to give the last word to Shaykh Usama, inshallah. Go ahead. For those beautiful words, Akhi. Um, okay. Ya Rab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Allah Allah. Um, okay. Uh, last uh, thing I want to say to you guys. Look at this. If if there's one thing that you guys can take away. Um, if you've been living your life until now um, as an individual for yourself, for your personal aims and goals and objectives, for your career, for your family, for your livelihood, I want you to expand this definition from now on. Look, you might not be in position right now to offer the most effective support to our brothers and sisters in any in Palestine or in any other part of the world. But if I walk away from this gathering realizing that I am a member of a global body called the Ummah, and I have a mission and I have a cause and a purpose, guess what? Your life is going to be a whole lot more meaningful. In whatever you do, whatever you are, you're a teacher, you're an engineer, you're a doctor, you're, you're, or even if you're just a gas, t- gas station attendant or a... Um, uh, or a bus driver, it doesn't matter, whatever you are. If I realize I'm part of an ummah, I have a mission, I have a goal and an objective, and I have some role to play in this, then you're going to start thinking globally, right? You need, we need to, univer- I need to think globally, right? I am part of a universal body that gathers me with many, many, many other human beings. And I share purpose with them. And I'm going to work towards this purpose in whatever I could do. In terms of my knowledge, my contributions, in terms of my relationships, in terms of what I allow to consume my time, I don't want to live an individualistic life anymore. That's the whole way to overcome the nefs. We started talking about the nefs in the beginning of this. Demolishing entitlement. You know, the worst life lived is the life lived for the nefs, by the nefs. Fueling the nefs. No, don't make it about me, myself, and I. Don't do that. Tell your nafs today, it's not about me, myself, and I. The life of Muhammad was so meaningful because he lived for humanity. Let me figure out in my personal capacity, how can I live that sense of mission? Please, just do this one thing. This is not a calling for me. It's not a calling for Ustaz Mundir. It's calling for every single one of us. Every single one of us is part of this ummah and every one of us has purpose. I need to do something about it. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to give tawfiq. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallah fiqum. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastawfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.